Hey, stay with us at 815. We're going to give away some great tickets to a comedy club and a great uh, comedian coming to town. It's 815. We'll give away those tickets later in the show. We'll get more of those tickets away. We'll also give away four tickets to the NBA Summer League coming up at 915. So a bunch of giveaways coming up. First, though, Adam, want to get your thoughts of this. Oh, so this is interesting. It affects me uh, directly, so I'm very worried about this, that uh, I have to show up earlier every day. But the NFLPA is recommending vaccinated players and staff now be tested every day for COVID-19 in the NFL. They said the variant and the rise of breakthrough positive cases among vaccinated individuals will recommend to the league that vaccinated players and staff be tested every day before they enter the facility. That is a tier two that includes the media. Again, earlier wake-up call for all of us to get tested every day. What are your thoughts? I mean, look, I'm, I, I kid because I have no problem with this at all. You can test as much as you want. In fact, I want to be tested every day just for that sake of calling up that green button and not seeing red on the test results. You get green, you're okay. Um, was this inevitable as we look around the league and guys go on that COVID list every day that at least the Players Association or someone would say, let's just start testing every day because this is uh, not something we need more and more players on this list? Inevitable is a strong word considering a this country had a vaccination rate of about 58% yeah. a couple of weeks ago. It certainly could have been avoided, so I don't know that I'll call it inevitable. But listen, the NFL put out some numbers earlier this week saying 90% of yes. the players are vaccinated, which is obviously a step in the right direction. Of course, 90% of the you know 1,200-plus players still leaves a fair amount uh, that aren't. I don't have any problem with it, though, Ed. I, I mean, I, again, I don't have to go through it as often as you have to go through it, but where we are right now and and the reality that breakthrough cases are happening um the nfl needs to protect its product any employer who wants to do something to protect their product to protect their employees to protect their customers do it absolutely we saw um and we talked a little bit about yesterday on the show that new york is requiring proof of vaccination in indoor spaces and you know we have some questions about what proof of vaccination will really look like considering the government decided that a little index card that could be washed away yes. <laughs> by a, a water spill is our proof of vaccination but uh ultimately this, this this is the nfl just saying we are protecting our business uh in the memo the nflpa sent to membership a uh, copy of which uh, was obtained by ESPN says the NFL has tested 2,500 plus players, 4,500 plus staff, and they have had at least 65 positive cases. Of those 65 cases, 32 were vaccinated individuals. There have been two outbreaks inside club facilities already this year, Atlanta, Miami, which took until week three of last season to see a transmission within a team facility. So it's happened sooner now uh, in training camp than it did last season, mostly because the offseason workouts and, and everything was different with COVID last year. Wrote about this earlier this week. I still believe it's a long shot for a forfeiture. Uh, I think some crazy things numbers wise would have to happen, but we did see what happened in Minnesota with their quarterbacks. Where do you put, if you're laying a line here, that there will actually be an outbreak that would lead to a forfeit? At 90% vaccination, I don't think that we're going to have a forfeit. I, I think that would be an underdog. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, ultimately, the NFL is going to take every measure it can to make sure a game is played. And I think we saw that last year, right? We saw that they were willing to go to Mondays and Tuesdays and afternoon games, and they would do anything they could uh, to get a game in. And so... You know, unless a team is egregious about it, unless a team is like the Tennessee Titans last year out there going out to practice at Clay Travis's kids school when they were told that they should be home and no one should be interacting with each other. Then I think that the NFL will work with teams to make sure that they're able to play the games because 
there is no entity anywhere. None of us want to forfeit. None of us want to have to deal with no. that. None of us want to talk about it. We want the games to happen. If you hang out at Clay Travis's school, wouldn't that also cause a lice outbreak? I have. I, I do not want to speak to the man's hair. Um, no, well, uh, his the, kids. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the, 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 there's just the rest of him I'd like to avoid. Press box transition. <laughs> Let's get right to it. Uh, good news here. BMX racer Connor Fields, Green Valley High and UNLV grad, uh, was released Thursday from a Tokyo hospital. Uh, we know that Connor was in a violent crash uh, in the BMX. He had he had clinched a spot in the final, actually, in his semifinal races when he crashed. Uh, he was the defending gold medal, won the gold medal in Rio. But he has been released, uh, had a brain hemorrhage, uh, bad concussion. Thankfully, that apparently has cleared. Uh, a couple broken ribs and a bruised lung. They said he will return to Henderson to continue his rehab. Fields 28. Uh, like I said, he won the gold in Rio. He was seventh in the London Games. But... Uh, Good news here, Adam. Uh, I like Connor. I know him well. And that crash, it's its strange in BMX. They are going down that drop at 40 miles an hour. And I've got to be honest. I say this all the time about uh, NASCAR. Like, they're so skilled at what they do. I don't know what you feel like. I'm almost surprised there's not more crashes. Like, you watch them go down the, the – the, when they come off the gate and go down the hill at that level. Like, Connor crashed. It was horrible. But I'm always saying, every time I see a BMX race, I'm like, how don't they crash more? Because they're all, like, so bunched going so fast. First of all, uh, fantastic news that yes. he's feeling better because those were some scary, scary moments, uh, you know, with him going down. And you mentioned four separate injuries there, any one of which would probably be more than I could handle. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, pray, prayers to, uh, to Connor yes. dealing with all of that at one time. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. It's, I mean, there are many, many sports like, like BMX uh, that I watch that I think to myself, I have no idea how there isn't a worse situation with yes. these. Uh, my God, the, the, in the Winter Olympics, the, the downhill skiing, when they get the angle, on the downhill skiing that actually shows the grade that these men and women are going down, I get a little tingle in my yeah. legs and I grab the arm of my couch a little tighter because I think to myself, I'm not sure what you could pay me to try to navigate this without killing myself. And, you know, it, I say that somewhat facetiously, but, uh, you know, Ed, you said you uh, you know Connor well. It's got to be a scary moment watching something like that. It, it was horrible. Um, I talked to his dad a day later. He was very emotional. I think by now, obviously, the family feel a lot better. They were getting texts. Literally, they said updates every 15 minutes. He had to go through, obviously, a lot of uh, cognitive tests in terms of his brain and, and the injury. And... Uh, you know, obviously, he was. They, his dad said he was in the best hospital in Tokyo. They took very good care of him, along with the U.S. doctors. So, good news there for Connor Fields. I don't know what Connor will do in terms of Paris, because uh, that's three years away. He'll be 31, and as you know, this is a. As we see kids now on skateboards, we've got 13-year-olds winning gold medals. BMX tends to be that kind of sport also where you have 12- and 13-year-olds who have no fear of anything, who are just going to go faster and faster. Um, I don't know what he will think about Paris. And, and maybe this is a situation, Adam, where he does want to come back. You don't want to end it that way. Now, if he hadn't won, if he hadn't crashed and not won gold, he might have said, well, I have my gold medal and I'm going to be 31. But sometimes when an athlete at that level goes through this, they're like, you know what? I don't want that to be the last image people have of me. No, I, that is 
deeply personal decision that yeah. he has to make there, right? I mean, think about when, uh, you know, back when Mariano Rivera had announced that it was his last season in the major leagues and he's out there shagging flies in Kansas City in batting practice, blows out his knee and decides, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going out like that. Like, he rehabs and comes back for another year. So, you know, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Uh, it's whatever Connor wants to do. And uh, it'll certainly be a great story if he ultimately decides to give it another run. Uh, you know, I can't tell you that. I want to get your thoughts on this. The U.S., uh, for the first time uh, in a long time, the U.S. does not get out of the semis in the 4x100 relay. They've had issues in a lot of international competitions with the baton pass. They did again last night. When a U.S. 4x100 team cannot even get to the final, with the type of athletes and sprinters and people at that level uh, the country has, it is shocking to me. Again, there's great there's great uh, teams in 4x100s, and I thought it was interesting when they didn't make it last night. The announcer's like, well, I don't want to ask you thoughts about this. Well, you know, these other teams, all they do is practice together. They have chemistry. It seems like the Americans show up to an Olympics and say, who's our four fastest guys? You'll be the anchor. We'll put you together. We'll, you know, we'll practice for a while on the baton switch, but we'll just go out there, and because we're so fast, we'll make the final and take a shot at it. When an American team in this specific race does not make a final, how, in your mind, how bad is that? I'm not going to cast uh, the aspersions at the U.S. team for this particular reason. And for one reason alone, and maybe it's a little bit silly, and maybe it's just me. Have we not outgrown the damn baton? Like, <laughs> can we just move on? from? Would anybody have a problem watching four Olympic-level sprinters tag hands? Yeah, tag hands, just yes, tag, tag hands. Right? Would anyone have a problem with this? Because I feel like what we're doing is saying, all right, it's like watching the NBA finals and saying, well, Giannis, if you can't make a free throw, we're kicking you out of the game. I don't want to watch you run up and down the court and make amazing defensive plays and throw down alley-oop dunks for 48 minutes. I'm just concerned about whether you can hit a free throw. Stop it. Just stop with the damn baton. If we could be the fastest team then let us be the fastest team if we just give a little high five in the transition. I don't care about your next question. Uh, here we go with Urban Meyer. You know my feelings. Oh, but uh, Dateline Jacksonville, Tim Tebow lined up against Chris Mannertz, and the two players went one-on-one. -on -one. The special teams, Brock and Jill, at the Jaguars practice on Wednesday. I guess they did it four times. It ended up 2-2, uh, winner-loser. Uh, Urban Meyer has more than suggested that the competition between these one-on-one -on -one drills and who wins them could have an effect on who he keeps and who he cuts. A big roster is going to be a, go to a smaller roster, said Urban. I think to be fair to players, we have so much respect. These guys make a living. I don't believe in subjectivity. I believe in what's your record? Every man's got a record. What is it? What's your record? If you lose a lot of times but you have potential, that's not really good. So here we go, Urban Meyer. What's his your first, record, Urban? <laughs> it's his first. You really want people <laughs> digging into that? His first... Uh, NFL training campus head coach. Do you like one-on-one -on -one Hello Oklahoma drill? And Jimmy, if you go, if you lose three of them, you're cut. I am just glad to see that Joe Judge has competition <laughs> for <laughs> most regressive <laughs> high school antics <laughs> on a pro football field. Look, I haven't bought into the Urban Meyer thing from the jump with Jacksonville. No. Uh, I was kind of wondering why a head football coach in the NFL needed a chief of staff. That seemed like a strange move from Urban before we ever got on the field. And now, apparently, we've set up the Hunger Games for spots on the roster, even including his boy Tebow. Uh, this is ridiculous. This is not what the NFL in 2021 or any other sports should be. There's a reason we got rid of 
these types of, you know, man on man savagery things. And uh, Urban Meyer, congratulations. You might have beaten out Joe Judge today. This is, and I, I, I was so with you on this. I mean, I've made it very clear here in other platforms, my feelings about Urban. But when I knew they were going to get Trevor Lawrence, it just completely deflated me. Because on one end, I want Urban to just look like the whatever I think he is on one end and lose because I just think it'd be hilarious because of his arrogance and other things in his past off the field with players and coaching and what he allowed to happen at some of his stops. But then I really like Trevor Lawrence just as a player and I really want to see him succeed. So I'm caught in this weird balance now of I don't think Trevor Lawrence can win that that guy's a coach and I think that's going to suck because I'd love to see Trevor Lawrence do well. And I don't know which side I should uh, uh, lie on here, Adam, but I think I'm going to lie on the side of I want Urban to lose. I understand why you're saying it. And look, there's there's a lot here. There is a lot here involved in the past of Urban Meyer. I, I don't think anyone has forgotten about Chris Doyle, the oh. strength coach from Iowa, who he tried to bring in uh, this offseason, who had a checkered history at best. I don't think anyone's forgotten about Zach Smith, the, the assistant coach who was involved in a serious domestic violence yeah. situation back when he was at Ohio State. So yeah, if the NFL wants this guy, the NFL wants him around, great. Let's see how it works out. But I can't imagine anyone is out there saying, I really hope Urban Meyer succeeds because he's been such a good dude. Didn't he get subpoenaed like in the last month? Urban? Yeah. Like I thought, Well, I like, think if the Smith if that's if that case is still going on the domestic violence, I would assume he'd be subpoenaed at some point. He was the guy's he was the guy's superior. I would think that he's gonna yeah. be talked to. Oh no, it was yeah, it was Doyle. He got he, okay. he literally he got he and the entire Jaguars organization just got a subpoena. Like for this like how how often is this guy gonna have to miss a like miss a practice because he's got court? <laughs> Adam, there's no tell me there's no way this guy succeeds as a head coach in the NFL. Even with this Trevor, quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That's how that's how he succeeds in the NFL. Look, at some point, uh, talent trumps coaching. Uh, ultimately, uh, bad coaching can only hold back so much. And you know, maybe they end up drafting so poorly. Hello, Travis Etienne, uh, that they're able to you know somehow submarine Trevor Lawrence. But I, I I think that especially in that division that does not appear to be trending upward, uh, the Jaguars have an opportunity maybe as soon as this year, but definitely next year to make noise. Next question. Uh, lastly, now the bronze medal to the U.S. women's soccer team, 4-3 over Australia. Megan Raponi had two. Carly Lloyd became the all-time leading scorer in the women's history for the Olympics for the Americans. Uh, Adam, a lot of mid to late 30-year-olds on this team. We saw what happened against Canada. Is this kind of the final farewell? Should it be the final farewell? We talk about other sports. No difference in women's soccer. Here come young kids all over the country. Soccer is a global sport. We know that. Uh, everyone plays it. So should people be looking at this team with their ponies and, and Lloyds and saying, you know what, that's probably it for them. Yeah, maybe it is for this generation. It's just not it for U.S. women's soccer right. overall. I mean, we we looked at the Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Brandy Chastain generation and said, wow, how are we ever going to outdo that? And yet here we are with Megan Rapinoe and Carly Lloyd and a new generation of women soccer stars that carried on the tradition admirably for a very long time. There's an interesting parallel here, and I think between the U.S. women's soccer team and Simone Biles, who we heard from at the beginning of the segment, where we have sustained greatness over the course of time 
and yet they have, I'm not going to call it an ignominious ending, but certainly less than they would have liked, but it should do nothing to take away from the achievements that they've put together over the last decade. Absolutely. Uh, they were incredible, and they, in their, probably in their minds they fell short, but they did medal there at the Olympics. All right. Caller number five, 702-364-1100, 702-364-1100. Caller number five right now, you're going to see Lavelle Crawford from Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and Last Comic Standing. It's this Saturday. Comedy Works at the Plaza. Best comedy in town is downtown. Winners are going to be at the Plaza Showroom box office. You're going to be on the list. Caller number five, 702-364-1100. Get your tickets to Lavelle Crawford. Pitch. A fly ball to right center field. And that ball is gone. Anthony Rizzo bangs one into the Yankee bullpen. Well, you know what they say. Nobody beats the Riz. Was that specifically for Adam? Well, I mean, he's a former Cub. Yes. yes. Adam, Rizzo's been good. Been this really good. good. Six, like an RBI in six straight? Yeah. And so I was just like, you know what? We've been we've been mean to Adam basically all week. Uh, let's reward him. And then get on to a different topic that is... Well, morally disgusting to me. Feel yourself uh, celebrated, Adam, because there's no way I'm getting two uh, two uh, rejoins with Mookie Betts homers last night. So I know that's not happening. No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the moment because, uh, you know, there has been a lot of me yelling about the Knicks and the Giants and the Yankees. And so, uh, by the way, uh, shout out all of you children of New York of the 80s with that Nobody Beats the Riz reference. Hit me up on Twitter if you know what I'm talking about. There you go. Uh, I wanted to get into this. I think this is fascinating. Jared found the story yesterday. One, There's a couple of questions I want to ask you, especially with uh, your gambling knowledge. Barstool Sports, we know them well. Uh, follow them. I'm into Dave Portney's pizza reviews. I look on it every day. I'm very interested in it. They have now taken another step in their, uh, I don't know if it's maturation or, or just trying to rule the world by diving into the College Bowl sponsorship with the Arizona Bowl. I this well two things I want two things um, I want to ask you in terms of the gambling side of Barstool and these now a massive company like his to go into the sponsorship of a bowl game. Uh, as this kind of becomes more and more popular. How big do you think this can get on the gambling side if you have more and more of these companies like this say, you know what, we're going into the mainstream here of, of, of sponsoring bowls? I think the question becomes larger, and what is the future of bowls like the Arizona Bowl? Because this is a bowl game that draws no attention. Um, it's a bowl game that most times is getting a six or seven win Mountain West team going down there and going through the motions in Tucson. So... You know, what is the future for games like this? Maybe if you have companies that are gambling or gambling adjacent like Barstool Sports that see it as a way to promote the brand, then maybe it goes a long way toward keeping that future uh, more viable because it's not just a sponsorship deal. That's the important part to understand here. Barstool bought the broadcast rights, too. And so the game will no longer be televised. It's going to be streamed yes. exclusively by Barstool. Uh, and that's a big step because yes. even beyond their gambling ambitions, now it puts them into the media rights game, which is a whole different thing. So, um, you know, this is not to comment on Barstool in particular. I know we'll get to that point. Uh, but when it comes to trying to find an audience, uh, if you're a bowl like the Tucson uh, game, then what other choices do you really have? Oh, yeah, they're. 
dying on the vine, especially as we see expansion and what's happening with the SEC and others and moving towards probably super conference or super conferences. So these are apparently chances they feel they need to take. Kim Adair, the executive director of the Arizona Bowl, this is interesting. We had more people watch our announcement through Barstool than actually watched our game on CBS network television in five hours. The incredible visibility and impact that will bring to Tucson is unmatched. I get it from there, and I want to ask you about a clip I saw on his podcast from Portney saying, you know, it's not crazy to think we're going to go after and overtake ESPN. <laughs> and eventually okay. we will, you know, be the place everyone goes to. Now, Portney throws out there that once he made this um, announcement on the Arizona Bowl, he had one of the four major league sports approach him and say, you can show our games we're interested. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe for a second they could overtake ESPN. But to your point, uh, they now have the broadcast rights to, let's be honest, a lower level bowl that, like you said, not many people other than the two participants care about. How, I mean, how far do you think his reasoning of taking over major networks could go in 2021 when he has millions and millions of followers, you know, in the 20 to 30 range? The U.S. justice system works on the concept of innocent until proven guilty. When dealing with Dave Portnoy, start yes. with guilty until proven innocent. Right. Because the man speaks out of various orifices at all times. He does not have any compunction as to whether it's true or not. And I would not get too far ahead of myself with them overtaking ESPN. In part because, remember, it wasn't that long ago that we tried to have a partnership with Barstool and ESPN, where yep. Barstool Big Cat and PFT Commenter uh, had a show that lasted all of one day. Uh, so there's not really room for crossover here. Look, Barstool has a history of misogyny, Thank racism, you. xenophobia. Yes. It is a abhorrent way to build an audience, and yet it has built a very loyal audience. They ha they tout the fact that they have 66 million, uh, you know, loyal users. I'll go after that quote for a second, talking about those uh, loyal users. We had more people watch our announcement announcement through Barstool than watched our game on CBS Network Television. That's all well and good. But if you want to also tell me what you could have sold ad space for on that announcement versus what ad space sells for on CBS, then you can also show to me how this is going to be viable. Because in the end, you still have to sell some form of advertising to make this work. The visibility for Tucson? Great. That's what every bowl game is involved with. Visibility for Tucson. Keep in mind, Barstool's audience skew skews 35 and under. So if you believe that getting visibility for Tucson is going to draw in the 35 and under crowd to come visit the desert, then you are speaking from a different set of expectations than I am. I don't really see the reasoning uh, when it comes to that. And when it comes to Portnoy talking about overtaking ESPN, you need only three words. Cool story, bro. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just genuinely, sure. it's like, I if I'm in advertising and as someone who's 35 and under, who who does who what member of this group has money outside of Mike uh, Mark Zuckerberg? Like like I'm trying to think. Well, I, he might not even be 35 and under anymore. Like probably not. Yeah. Like who? who none of us have any money. It's a good point. I mean, and the other point I want to make is not enough. And we, we all read the column uh, from the columnist uh, from Arizona who went after this bull for uh, you know hitching hitching their bull to uh, to to barstool. Am I overthinking the room here? You're talking about a female uh, executive director being this fired up and this excited about partnering with, like you said, a company with uh, you know history of misogyny and an occasional practice of harassment. I mean, 
Did, was that burying the lead, or should that not be as big a deal in the world of bowls? And she needs to do what she believes, and her you know her board of directors believes is best to keep this bowl alive. I think this is a statement that you should have your feelings on Barstool, whether you're a man or a woman, and it, I don't know that they should change a whole lot. Uh, it's a company that's headed by a female CEO, Erica Nardini. Mm -hmm. She has defended a lot of what this company does. Uh, the Kim Adair, the bowl director, echoed what Barstool likes to say. Well, it's not about uh, it's not about, you know, the things they've done wrong. It's about free speech and authentic speech. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's authentically misogynist and it's authentically racist. Like it's worth repeating a couple of the tweets uh, that are in this column, one of which Dave Portnoy says, quote, even though I never condone rape, if you're a size six and you're wearing skinny jeans, you kind of deserve to be raped. Right. End quote. Sure. Oh. This is what you want associated with a college football game. Right. Apparently, the money is worth it to the Arizona Bowl. Yeah, this is I. This was a big one That's in terms of Barstool. I'd be interested. Um, finally, I want to ask you just overall the tenant of bowls, and we know these kind of bowls, and most are like these bowls. I mean, look, you have your you have your uh, college football playoff, your huge bowls, but most are these bowls trying to survive in a world now, like we said, of expansion and super conferences and cutting out most conference teams around America that don't bring to the table but what the big boys want. Is Do those, do those bowls look at this Barstool deal as a lifeline? Do they say, hey, maybe we should do this? Or is this a one-off and it's just him bringing his money and wanting to have that kind of exposure, a different kind of exposure for his company? So... Barstool Sportsbook was acquired by Penn National Gaming, a huge uh, multi-state operator. Penn National just today bought the score, if anybody has that app on their phone, mm -hmm. uh, the yeah. Score Media. They just bought the score for $2 billion. So there's a lot of money to be thrown around the sports betting space right now. And Dave Portnoy is flush with cash because of it. Uh, I think this is probably more one-off than a trend. All right, good stuff there. We'll keep an eye on it. I thought it was fascinating. Great, uh, great catch by Jared there to get us that story. Uh, I knew they had. I knew he had been there announcing it uh, in terms of sponsoring the bowl. Uh, I did learn that it was now going to be streamed and, and they took over the rights as well. I think that's really interesting. When we come back, we'll try to track him down. It's Millsy. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? My God, I missed that. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Adam Candy, and Jared. Pleased to be joined now, especially after that. Follow me on Twitter, Darren Millard, your host of the Vegas Golden Knights TV broadcast, co-host VGK Insiders. He's in Tokyo. Been out at Raiders camp so often. I've missed you. How are you? What's happening with you dropping the bus today? Huh? Uh, your good friend. Yeah, um... We think well, he may have gotten murdered by a bunch yeah. of Dodgers fans. He, 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 he stupidly, but as Adam Candy said in the beginning of the show, uh, absolutely, we knew he would do this because he uh, he likes to talk smack, just not in front of people. He went to the Dodgers-Astros game last night, and there's no question he walked into Dodger Stadium, who hate the Astros for many reasons. They cheated to win the World Series, wearing his Astros jersey because you know him, and you know he couldn't like try to shove it in people's faces. We haven't heard from him, so our guess is he was taken out back mm -hmm. to Dodger Stadium and taught a lesson. It's going to be a big break for your next co-host. <laughs> Adam, did it's you hear a, that? Hey. Oh, I was, was going to say, so, uh, Wait a second. No, no. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. D Darren Millard might have just made me an accomplice to murder. I don't want that. 
Uh, well, he's a good kid. We can read a lot of uh, numbers at the funeral. Uh, so how's Tokyo? Have you been dunked in a pool? Like, bring us up to date. What's happening over there? Did we lose Darren? Did I lose you? Or did he uh, just jump in a pool? Or did he just get dunked in a pool? Right. Think- uh, like, the water polo, he told us. Water polo oh, is dangerous yeah, business. Milsey, There's uh, a lot, uh, lot going on under the water. Making, we're, we're, give me a break. We're making international calls here. Yes, we are making international calls uh, here on the uh, local line uh, and the landline. Um, have you watched much water polo? Like, I love to watch it. What about conditioned athletes? Forget about it. Those guys are crazy, uh, men and women, in terms of their condition and how long they have to, you know, uh, tread water and swim as fast as they do. But do you watch it? Like, is that one of your favorite Olympic sports to watch? Or are there others that you say, man, those people are in incredible condition? Oh, it, it's fascinating to watch. I can't say I've watched a lot this year. I've watched it in the past. I've watched college water polo uh, in the past as well. I don't know that I am terribly into any sport where it is easy to visibly kick somebody in the groin and not have it be called. Right. Like, right. I, that I think that helps, that's yeah. it's, it's a very dangerous thing uh, that that I don't I cannot endorse. Uh, the conditioning that's involved in it is unbelievable. I mean, I have a hard enough time just swimming for that length of time, let alone battling right. other people and trying to throw a ball into a net. So, no, I, I think that's uh, that, that's quite admirable. I mean, I don't know. Is there any one Olympic yeah. sport that you look at and think to yourself, I might right, be able to do that, that at even a reasonably competitive level? Oh, reasonably competitive. I can't think of one. I mean, yeah, I, 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 won a tr- I won a trophy as a 12-year-old kid in ping pong at the Laguna Beach Boys Club. Then, oh. I, watch it, then I, I watch this, and I'm like, I'd be out on the first serve. They'd serve it, and I would be out. It'd be so embarrassing. We have them back now from Tokyo. Milsey, before you drop down, have you been dunked in any kind of pool? And how would you do against the best water pullers? How, how long could you stay with them? Um, I, I wouldn't last, like, five minutes. Uh, the more I watch the sport... The more I discover, it is so vicious yeah. and cruel and physical. And uh, the, it hit its climax yesterday. Actually, the American the men were in the quarterfinal, and one of the players uh, on the U.S. side just hauled off and popped his opposition <laughs> like a full-on <laughs> punch to the face. And that player didn't get kicked out, but the captain did uh, uh, for the USA. He got red carded. Must have been for something else. But uh, I like I've outside of a hockey fight, I've never seen somebody just full on punch punch somebody like like that uh, that athlete did, and and the the guy that got punched just threw his arms up in the air and looked at the referee and went, "What are you gonna like? Come on, I, I would have been throwing them back." How do you even referee a sport like that where half of the action is going on underwater? I have no <laughs> I, like that's terrifying to me as an official. That's a very good question. Uh, they, there's two officials, one on either side of the pool, and uh, they, they, they must know the tricks of the trade because when you we have underwater cameras and we get to see what they're doing with their legs and the kicking and the grappling and the pulling on suits and uh, uh, different things. Like it's it's pretty intense. And I'll tell you what, when, when uh, the, the American women uh, dodged uh, a real scare today. And we'll make the final for a, for a fourth straight Olympic Games. Uh, it really impressive game. Margaret Steffens and Maggie Musselman, uh, or Ma- Maddie Musselman, Musselman, uh, former um, uh, the daughter of the Jeff Musselman, the former pitcher, by the way. Okay, uh, she's a she's a great player for the U.S. women. But the men, boy, like there's no way I would play goal in that with that ball whipping at you. It's it's just wild how fast it comes. 
What uh, and it's nearing its end. Um, we talked to you about the travel to get in there and what you had to sit through at that airport as they continued to check if the really believe who you were. Um, yeah. But give us some high points also. Look, I, I yourself, one of my best friends, in the world uh, covers it for the San Diego paper. He's covered 19 Olympics. He has not had a great time, not only because of the weather and because of travel and all that, and nobody on the streets and all that. But like, give us some of the high points. I mean, there has to be something you're going to look back on this and say, you know what, that was an experience and I. You know, it was great to have, and, and I'll remember that. Has there been many? Yeah, yeah. There's been there's been a few. One, uh, the the people that I'm working with, uh, predominantly British, but uh, a few Australian as well. But uh, uh, met some met some really cool people from from different parts of the world that uh, uh, I hope to uh, remain in contact with. I'll decide that next week before I delete their numbers. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, no, they've they, they've been uh, really cool and. Uh, I've learned a couple of new skills uh, along the way, and I've been out the last week uh, a few different times in and around Tokyo, and uh, a couple of places were pretty quiet, and you just you kind of felt eerie. But uh, in the last few days, it's actually picked up, Ed, and, uh, and we've been to uh, a few different spots, um, some touristy, some uh, a little uh, more local, and uh, and it's been really interesting. It's, it's a beautiful city, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't realize that there was – and this is my own ignorance, uh, but as much uh, the, like the harbor and the bridges and all that kind of stuff, the, all the different islands, it, it reminds me of Vancouver, actually, uh, in that regard, where you have to go over three bridges to really get anywhere. But it's uh, it's a fascinatingly beautiful city and vibrant and and young, uh, uh, really really young and happening. It's uh, it's and and learning about the the Japanese culture has been uh, has been really cool to and uh, and enlightening as well. Oh, I. Uh... Uh, Mills, I spent five days in in Tokyo and felt like I only scratched the surface. Uh, the, yeah. the energy in that city is is really impressive. Um, another piece of the Japanese culture that we talked about last time that we spoke with you, and I don't know if Ed knows much about this, is the amazing convenience store food. Um, yes. What you can, you basically could eat every meal at a Seven Eleven, and you would be eating better than you would be eating at you know the the regular uh, Applebee's, Chili's kind of place here. Have you discovered? Any new Seven Eleven food? Uh, you know what I discovered this in the last couple of days was waffle ice cream. Uh, oh. So waffles uh, around <laughs> chocolate and ice cream, and it like I try and eat pretty responsible. It's kind of been my go-to the last two nights. Uh, that that's been <laughs> one that's uh, that that's come uh, true. And I've uh, I've ditched the 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 rice and the, and the chicken. And I've gone full on sushi for the last week. Now, yes, I'm pretty pretty lame sushi. I like it has to be uh, westernized in, in a sense. Like I'm not going the raw fish or anything like that. But uh, but the rolls and things like that. Uh, it's 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 been fascinating and got to um, a couple of uh, more traditional uh, restaurants uh, for two meals. I actually got to eat with chopsticks and uh, one fork that wasn't plastic, which was nice. That's uh, for me. Uh, that's so fascinating. You said that, and people say like, "What's the best diet in the world?" It's like, oh, no carbs, this and that. And I say, "No, go cover an Olympics," because as you know, yeah. you're working so much, and there's not a lot of time in between anything. Like, you come home like two weeks later, it's like, "Oh, you know, you lost a lot of weight." Well, it's the Olympics. I mean, do you find that because you're always working and going, and the clock's so different from what you're used to? Like, it's funny, but people say, you know, that's kind of a great diet to go on because you go there, and there's just not a lot of time to sit down. Oh, let's go have a big meal. And, and what, your, your life changes because you, normally we're on uh, start time of your shift, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, we're on, on meal time. I got noon for lunch or the supper time or the, the game starts at seven o'clock. At an Olympics, you're, you're dominated by start times, as mm-hmm. in I've got a water polo match at 1.30, 3.30, and uh, 5.30. Yep. And in between that, I've got to get quotes out, and uh, I've got to uh, put together a highlight package and, uh, and get prepped for, for the next game. And if everything goes really well, I might have 10 minutes to run out, grab a sandwich from the snack shop at the IBC yeah. and a coffee and get back. That, that, that's what, and, and it's the same day. Same thing for 15 days. Yeah. So it's 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 absolutely you're right. You're you're on a treadmill and uh, and it's fun and it's great. But by about day 12, <laughs> you're gone. Like the Olympics is like golf. Like I think the perfect round of golf is 12 holes. Right. Like, it's just it's you can you can fit it into your day. You can get back. You can. Uh, it doesn't take uh, six hours so by the time you get there and, and the drive and the, the beers after. Uh, the perfect Olympics, I think, would be ten days, and then and then it's uh, if we can cram it into ten days, I, I'm up for it all day long. Well, we have not had an opportunity to talk with you uh, about VGK in the uh, last mm. little bit here. Uh, Alex Tuck, uh, shoulder surgery, he'll be out for right. a few months. Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, his first comments yesterday after arriving in Chicago, uh, excited about the opportunity, said he was a little bit surprised about uh, you know, the trade, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what's your view on what's happened with VGK of late? Uh, most significant turnover uh, when you go year to year, uh, that I think that, that we've seen from not necessarily from an on-ice production uh, standpoint, uh, Adam, but I, I think the personality in the room and, and changing, uh, passing the baton uh, a little bit. I, I think like you throw Nick Holden into that, that mix uh, with, with that regard where there's some personalities that have moved on uh, that, that were pretty influential with with making that team uh, happy and go lucky and uh, and being loose and I think that uh, it's it's going to be probably a little bit of uh, a getting to know uh, people's right spots and 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 filling in those spots uh, for the next few months of the season. I don't on on the ice like Tuck hurts uh, because of the, the the where he is in the lineup and and uh, not having him in. But uh, I think mean, there's going to be absences there. But on the ice, I don't think it's uh, it's going to be as uh, the fans won't go ah there's that like Mark Andre uh, that uh, that goes without saying. But uh, I think off the ice, uh, this group uh, from year to year, it's it's been pretty uh, consistent with that core group. Uh, this this will be kind of finding their own feet uh, for the first couple of months. Why do you got to bring up passing the baton after after the last like couple days, man? Come on, our relay team sucks. Uh, I have you seen the mixed relay? Like there, there's a couple of new events that are really neat. They did that, and uh, didn't they do that in swimming? Also, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've enjoyed some of those uh, those uh, new events, and and the more and more I watch uh, the Olympics in, in in my age now, uh, like I don't remember all the athletes being tatted up before. Like there are some really cool tattoos out there, and and I've been as close as I've ever been. After these Olympics, to deciding I need a tattoo after watching all these cool oh. people. The, the one, the other thing uh, Ed, you, you find at the uh, Olympic Games is you you spend all day watching or being with really fit people. 
Yes. yes. And, and, and the other people that aren't super fit are trying to be super fit yeah. and really want to be. And then there's me, who's just trying to get through the day without expiring. So that, that's a little intimidating as well. How much would it take, please do this, just for the weird reaction here locally, if you got a tattoo of Flurry with a Blackhawks jersey on it? Would that be awesome? And you'd and you'd have to show every all the weird VJK people that are like still going home crying in the streets and like uh, missing, missing, missing him that he was wearing a Blackhawks jersey. I, I made it my uh, Twitter profile picture just because, but I, I really want you to get a tat. Yeah, uh, that's not going to happen. Ed. Uh, <laughs> as much as I love you and uh, and and I think the world of you, um, that would be a career limiting decision. Uh, and and I I know that you're well compensated, but I don't think that you can live uh, on your salary and pay me mine at the same time. Uh, well, at least get it live on the air. <laughs> yes, I wish I could. He's Darren Millard. Follow him on Twitter. Darren Millard. He's in Tokyo doing a great job. Co-host VCK Insiders, host Vegas One Lights TV, and the Chirp Podcast. Check it out. It's awesome. Travel safe, really. Uh, we miss you, and uh, travel safe back. I uh, can't wait to uh, be back in the neighborhood uh, next week, and um, I might just pop in uh, and be in person uh, if I can do that. If you week. pop in, I'll pay for the tattoo artist. <laughs> you got it. I'll see you, buddy. Take care. Oh, that'd be great. Anything with flurrying at Blackhawks just to drive people completely crazy. Or not that they're not already crazy. I mean, if someone wants to give it to me live on the air, I'll get one. <laughs> when we come back, our Sharp has a decision to make. He actually wins a lot. It's time to find the Sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Oh, man, we have waited for this for, I don't know, 16 years, it seems like, as someone has won enough, uh, uh, our Sharp has won enough to actually have a decision on prizes. It's Stephen. Stephen, I think you had USA Women's Water Polo who beat Canada like 76 to 1 or something like that. I, you have embraced these Olympics as only a Sharp can in terms of you can always find something out there that's going to win for you. But you have a decision to make, and it's a tough one. And Jared's going to tell you your choices here on what you can do for being at this level of success. Okay. Bring it on. Let me hear it. We have the AB jersey. You can just you can take the AB jersey, and then we can keep rolling. Or you can take a press box shirt and a pair of Raider socks. So if I take the AB jersey, I can continue to make my picks? No, the AB jersey is yeah, it. It's the ultimate prize, yeah, and uh, we the... have to move on. Okay. Is that what you want? Mm. <laughs> You kind of paused there. I well, wanted to see how long I can take this because this is well, like two well, years. If you I want to see if I can get like a hundred. Well, well, actually, I, I mean, mean, if you if you don't take the AB jersey now, these this is how we transition on the press box. Jared, how many more do you want Stephen to get right to also add the press box T-shirt and socks though? I mean, I was thinking he we give him the socks at twelve and we give him everything at fifteen because okay. there's no way in hell. What now? What number is he at right now? He's at he, today is uh, today is not. He would be going for ten. Okay, you're going for ten. You're giving up the AB jersey if you miss now. You can take I, it or it goes back into play. You get the T-shirt and the AB jersey at twelve. You get the whole bag of tricks at fifteen. What do you want to do? Listen, as tempting as that AB jersey is, I know it's a rarity. I'm going to go for the fifteen. Wow. All right, there All right. we go. All right, here we go. So you're going for nine today, and uh, what do you got no, he's for going us? for ten today. Oh, you're going for yeah, ten. Going, I'm sorry, you're going, going for, for ten. ten. All right. What do you want? I'm going to take women's basketball. 
Oh, oh is they playing Slovenia? Who are they playing? Slovenia? Uh, the, the U.S. I, play, I think they're playing, um, I don't know, something that ends in INA. <laughs> I believe it's Slovenia. Yes, I, I believe that's who it is. Uh, but thank you, Stephen. Or, uh, or NIA? Well, I forget. Okay, so, so this gets you to t- U.S. basketball to win. This goes to 10. You got USA Women's Hoops. If you lose before twelve, if you lose before twelve, it's it's over with the AB jersey. But if you win, twelve will get you the press box T-shirt. And then if you continue to choose to go on because those socks are something you want, then fifteen total gets you uh, everything. I want that press box uh, T-shirt so I can cut the sleeves off and walk around town properly. All there right. you go, Thank Derek you. Carr. Derek Thank Carr you. showing the guns. Thank you, Thanks, Stephen. Have a good day, guys. Adam, did he make the right call? Yeah, uh, you guys have set up the rules where it's almost impossible to lose. So if yes. I were him, I would go on, on, on. You're letting him pick like minus 2,000 favorites over and over again. Yeah, keep yes. going. Rules? What are rules? I don't know if we've even had rules with this thing. Half the time, we don't even know what the hell's happening with this. All right, when we come back, your boy Q.